entering our fourth um, sermon on the series, The Christ-Centered Church, which is, I hope has been challenging for you. It has, certainly has for me um, as I study the scriptures, as I study these things. Um, I pray for our church. I pray for Northwest, that we would be a church focused upon Christ and his mission glorifying Christ by being on mission together. This is what we have defined as a Christ-centered church. We've talked about being spirit-filled. We've talked about gospel proclamation. Last week, we talked about life on life, discipleship, following Jesus and inviting others to follow him with you. Now we get a chance this morning to talk about a missional culture. The people of the church going into lostness. The people of the church on mission, being sent into their field for a purpose. Northwest Baptist has a great history of this in missions they're being sent into the fields for a purpose. Right now we have three congregations on our campus that speak foreign languages. We have sent many people all over the world and God has blessed us with many people in this room who want to give of their time, their money, and their life to reach people for Christ. We heard two of them this morning, Brent and Dana Brown. It's not unfamiliar us for us to understand that we are on mission. Every day the Lord sends out his people into the fields to sow, to water, and to wait for the Lord to provide the growth. In the Great Commission, there are three participles that describes the command of making disciples. They are to baptize, to teach, and to go. Three things that the church ought to be doing to fulfill what Christ has called us to. Gospel proclamation leading to baptism. Teaching people to obey through life on life, discipleship, and a culture that sends people into the harvest fields to make disciples. This is why we devote at the end of our service, you may have noticed, a time called, we call it the commissioning time. And we set aside a time to pray for those that are going. We pray for you as a church as you go throughout your week. Into your workplace, into your neighborhood, into your home, the church on mission. John Piper says famously in his book, Let the Nations Be Glad, missions exist because worship does not. And God is calling us all in this room to go to where worship does not. Might be in the third floor cubicle of your office. It might be to your next door neighbor. It might be to your son or daughter. But God is calling us. It may be to a hut in Africa. God is calling us to go. And this morning we look at one of the examples of Christ 
sending not only the 12 disciples, but the 72. The cycle comes full circle as Jesus and his 12 disciples have proclaimed the kingdom of God. And they have invested in people. They have discipled more than just the 12. And now he is sending them all, the 72, out to be witnesses for the kingdom of God. So we're looking this morning at what it takes to be a sending church on mission, the Christ-centered church. Look with me at Luke chapter 10, will you, in your Bibles this morning. Luke chapter 10, verse 1. It's on page 868 in the Bible in front of you. If you'll stand with me in the reading of God's word. Luke 10. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, peace be to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide, for the laborer deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you, heal the sick in it, and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town, they do not receive you. Go into the streets and say, even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom. Than for that town. You may be seated. Let us pray this morning. Father God, we thank you that you are a sending God, that you send us into places of darkness to overcome the enemy and to share the light of the gospel. Father, we thank you that you sent your son to give his life for others. And as the gospel permeates our hearts and minds, Father, we pray, pray that you would call people up to give their life for the sake of others. Father, we thank you for your great grace and your great mercy, your goodness that is extravagant, your love for us. Lord, we ask that you would be with us this morning, that you would speak through your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. 1994, our family came home to the promised land of Oklahoma. 
I, uh, I had only seen big country Bryant Reeves, the star of the Oklahoma State basketball team on television. I had never seen him play in real life. I was excited to see him in Gallagher Iba Arena. I was going to be near cousins. We were exci- all excited to come back. The only problem was we were moving from Portland, Oregon, and we needed to get to our destination. So we packed the car to the brim and began our 1,900-mile journey in the car from Portland, Oregon to Oklahoma City. One of the lifesavers of this trip was I, I got a book. I think Mom got it for me. But it had all 50 license plates. It had a picture of all 50 of the license plates. And, and I made it my goal or my mission to find all 50 of the license plates. Well, guess what? We were about five miles on the journey, 1,900-mile journey. We were about five miles in, and I realized that things were a bit fuzzy in my eyesight. I couldn't see the car tags unless they were right up on us, and my parents realized pretty quickly that I needed glasses. I was realized that... Uh, I was going to need some help in accomplishing this mission, that I couldn't do it alone. The next thing I realized was about halfway through the trip that the Hawaii license plate was nearly impossible to find. I had almost lost hope when our spirits were renewed one night, when Dad said, Son, if we find a Hawaii plate, I will do a backflip. Dad doesn't do this very often, if ever. I, I don't know, I can't recall another time where he said something like this. And as a 10-year-old boy, I was destined to make this happen. So we searched and searched to no avail. But one night, we just went through the parking lot, looking at the cars in the parking lot at the hotel we were at near Yellowstone National Park. And there it was, the beautiful rainbow aloha hawaii license plate and yes dad did a back flip it looked more like a backward somersault than simone biles flipping but we took it as good and we celebrated the 50 license plate challenge you see the church the people of god have been given a mission a great Commission to go and make disciples of all nations. And guess what? Being on mission is difficult. Being on mission for Christ shows a lot of our own weaknesses and our own failures. It shows us our need for others around us. It shows us our need for the power of Christ and our reliance upon Him. It also shows us our need for one another as the church, the body of His, of Christ. And the text tells us in verse 3, Go your way. Behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. And this is why the church must be on mission together. 
Guess what? This is not a solo mission. Christ sent them two by two. They sent them 72 out. That means they were 72 gathered together and they went out two by two. And guess what happened when they went out? They came back together and they rejoiced. Not in what happened on the mission, but they rejoiced together that they themselves, their names were written in the kingdom of heaven. Look at verse 20 with me. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this. Talking about overcoming the enemy, the demonic forces that your spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. The church rejoices that they are children of God. I've always said this, that we as a church need to have a culture of celebration to celebrate that we have been set free, that we are children of God that we have a privilege of being on mission for Christ. It's not that, yes, we celebrate lostness. We celebrate lost people moving from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of light. Yes, we celebrate that, but we celebrate that we are children of God. My purpose in preaching this passage today is so that you know that we as a church have a purpose and that God has given us a mission and therefore we are to go and be on mission to where God sends us. I can remember a few times in my life sitting there thinking, Lord, where did you send me? And asking the question, Lord, I don't think I can make it. More, more like a statement than a question. Can I make it? One was lying in the concrete slab next to my wife in Thailand, in a village in Thailand, hearing strange noises, smelling weird smells, and trying to fall asleep. And thinking to myself, Lord, where did you send me? And can I make this? The other one time was in Holdenville, America. We went to interview. And I remember sitting in a room and the interim pastor began to what felt like vomits on me, all of the problems in the church. And I started sweating and my wife started sweating. And he became going. And I, I think he talked for an hour and a half about all the issues, all the problems, all the people. I said, Lord, where, where are you sending me? Can I make it? The third time was, was, was here. A year ago, in the question and answer period, what felt like meeting a thousand people in one day for the first time, not having a clue where all the bathrooms were and what was going on and having question, question, question. We went home and I just laid down. My head hurt so bad, I just laid down. We slept for about 16 hours before we preached the next morning. 
You see, often being on mission has a cost. And the preceding verses, starting in verse 57, the word says that there is a cost to following Jesus. In chapter 9, verse 57, Jesus says this, as they were going along the road, someone said to him, I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another, he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. These are hard sayings. One reads this and goes, what is he talking about? And Jesus hits right at the heart of the issue at the very beginning when he calls people to come and follow him. Following Jesus trumps everything else in your life. Your home, your family, your duties, your work, your responsibilities. It's not that you can't have those things. We see in Scripture, Peter had a wife, he had a family, yet he was on mission with her. You see, Paul, he had a job, he was a tent maker, yet he used his resources for the furthering of the kingdom of God. Priscilla and Aquila, they, they had a home. They were homeowners. Yet they had the church in their home. Jesus is saying, I am first. Our face is towards Christ and focused on his mission. Jesus knows that these things in our life, our home, our family, our responsibilities, our job, can be put in the place of following Jesus. I'll put it like this. Sometimes we can put Jesus on our shelf with many of our other idols that we worship and we just take each one whenever we please. Jesus says, no, you follow me first. Not us and Northwest. We are on Mission. Our focus is upon Christ. We are not looking back. Verse 1, after this, the Lord appointed 72 others. So after he said this, he appoints 72. 72 willing to go. Even after these hard sayings. And he sent them on ahead of them two by two into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. This is point number one this morning. The church prays for people to be sent. The church prays for people to be sent. I don't think it can be more clear 
It is the Lord of the harvest that is doing the sending. He is sending out the labors into his harvest. So what's our job? Our job is to pray. That's literally what he tells us to do. That the Lord would send his workers into his harvest. We pray. Every time I read the scripture, it becomes less about me and more about God. My job is to humbly come before him, asking him to do a work that only he can do. My friends, the church wages war for souls in closets, in bedrooms at night, in chairs in the morning. We call out to the Lord God Almighty to send more people who are hungry and ready to be equipped with the gospel and ready to be sent into the fields that are ready for harvest. Would you join me in praying for that? You see, oftentimes we pray, and I'm guilty of this, we pray, increase our people in the pews. Bring people to us, Lord. Fill this place again. But the Lord says, pray for people to be sent. It's time to switch the mindset from pray for people to fill the church to pray for people to be sent from the church. Rather than asking, what is our seating capacity? It's time to begin asking the question, what is our sending capacity? Our God is ascending God. John 20, 21, as the Father has sent me, Jesus is saying, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. God sent his best to come and save you. This is the gospel. This is how we must pray for our church. We must pray for our children in this way. That they would have the ability to be sent on mission for Christ. Often we pray for the right job. We pray for the, the right spouse. We pray that they would not live in our basement when they're 35 years old. But we need to be on our hands and knees praying, Father, use them as you see fit for your glory and your kingdom. Father, we pray that our children would say, here I am, send me. I talked to a young man this week, interesting conversation. He's in his mid-30s or early 30s, two small kids. He works at Tinker Air Force Base as an engineer. You can imagine that he makes a pretty good pay there. And him and his wife left their job recently. The Lord was calling them to go and work in a refugee camp in Germany. I said, how long do you plan on going? He said, until the Lord calls us back. 
I asked the question, how did this come about in your life? He said, well, we've been praying about this for quite some time. My wife had a dream. In the dream, there was a nice seafood restaurant. We couldn't decide what to order. And the waiter pulled up with a purple tablecloth and with it fish with jewels on them. And the waiter said, take your pick. And his wife heard Fisher of men. He said, I feel like that this was an affirmation in in my life in which God was telling us we can choose which people to go to because they're all important in God's size. Let me ask this question. Do you believe that a life on mission will have a greater reward than a life of money, fame, and fortune? Do you believe that? Do you believe that a life Whatever it may be the Lord's calling you to. Maybe it's adoption. Maybe it's to go across the street to your neighbor. Do you believe that that would be more fulfilling than a life of money, fame, or fortune? You got to answer that question. I'll be honest with you. Saying, Lord, what do you want from me is probably one of the scariest places to be. But when you pray, Lord, send more workers into your harvest, guess what? You better be ready if he calls you to answer that prayer. You better be ready. I said many times, the harvest is not always going to a remote village in Africa. Yes, God calls us there. But it may be calling you to the accountant on the third floor of your building. It may be calling you to go across the street. I I heard through the grapevine one of our small groups is going to begin having cookouts in the people's neighborhoods of the people in their small group, inviting people to come, and there their small group will be there to share the gospel with them, invest in the people in their neighborhood to help them reach the people. That's a church on mission. I'll bring the meat. We need to pray that God calls a bunch of people to go to the nations. We need to pray that God calls people to also go to the dental depot across the street. A missionary, while we're in training, said one time, if you haven't been willing to go across the street to share the gospel, we don't need you. Just because we send you halfway across the world doesn't change your willingness to share the gospel. We need people on mission where God has placed them. By the way, the 72 here, it has significance, just as the 12 disciples have significance. The 72, some scholars believe, are the table of nations from Genesis 10, the descendants of Shem, Ham, and Japheth from Noah, the 70 representative of all the nations at that time during the Tower of Babel where they are dispersed, spread out through the earth, fracturing into many, many nations. But these 72 disciples represent these people going to the nations. A church prays for people to be on mission. Do you believe that you are sent by God? Do you believe Christ has fulfilled, has a purpose for your life? And will you pray for that? Verse 3, 
Go your way. Behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Our second point this morning is this. The church is to go in faith. The church is to go in faith. The church is on the move. The church is going. These assembly, it's a beautiful thing on Sundays. Guess what? It's, beautiful. it's more beautiful when we come to celebrate God's people living on mission throughout the week. Without missional living during the week, the church becomes nothing more than just an entertainment section of our week. That's all it is. If we're not coming to celebrate what God is doing in our own lives and in our own fields in which he's called us. Now, I don't want to give you a romanticized view of going. I hope I, I don't do that. Christ says, I'm sending you out as lambs among wolves. Do you think that God's church wants to see his people on the move? Do you I mean, do you think the enemy wants to see God's church on the move? There are ravenous wolves. You will be persecuted when you're on mission for Christ. The enemy seeks to kill, steal, and destroy. <laughs> Look at Paul. He was beaten. He was left for dead. Mobs wanted to kill him. He was imprisoned in chains, bitten by a snake, and yet through all of it, lit the world on fire with the message of the gospel. The cost of following Jesus. Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. I mean, we ask this question all the time. What, what do I need to go? Do I need enough money? Do I need to pack my things? Do I need the right shoes? Do I need to meet the right people? Do I need to make the right connections? Do you? What do I need? Jesus says, you need to trust in God. That's what you need. You can have all the stuff in line, but faith is what you need. You need to trust that Christ is with you even until the end of the age. Christ doesn't want you to have everything together to be on mission. He wants you to go in faith, trusting that Christ is enough for the mission that he gives. This goes for the churches as well. Sometimes it's like we need to get everything in order to really be on mission as the body of Christ. We need to understand that being on mission is shaping our hearts and minds to be more like Christ as a church. This uh, September 29th, our goal is to have every member. I'm going to go ahead and take this off. It's a little hot in here, isn't it? I, I don't know, but it's a little, a little hot, but I'm going to take this off. Um, but our goal on September 29th is to have every single person on the mission field in Oklahoma City. We're gonna have groups all around the city. You may be prayer walking, you may be handing out food to homeless, you may be planting flowers at the school, singing an outreach choir, handing out popsicles in the park, giving away cookies to parents of kids in community advance, helping people with their laundry. 
all while investing people for the goal of sharing the gospel with people. And guess what? We're going to be praying the whole month before that. We're going to be praying that God would raise up an army to be sent into Oklahoma City for his name's sake. God is moving. It's not because we are good. It's not because we are great. It's because Christ is moving his people. So we pray, we go, we baptize, we teach, then we run it back again. We send them out to pray, go, baptize, and teach someone else. Verse 5. Whatever house you enter, first say, peace be to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you and remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide, for the laborer deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick in it and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. This is our third point this morning. The church is to find people of peace and invest in them. The church is to find people of peace and invest their life into them. The principle here applies today. Jesus sends his disciples to go to people who receive them and proclaim the message of the kingdom of God to those people. So are you saying you should give up on people who reject you? No. Pray for those people. Sow seeds of the gospel in their life. But they, if they are not receptive of the gospel, find someone that is receptive of the gospel and invest your life there. Think about it like this. If there is no fruit, you must recruit. All right? Think about that. If there is no fruit, you must recruit. You need to move to someone else and invest your life. Find people of peace and invest. Verse 7 says this, and remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide. For the laborer deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you. Now, eating what is set before you is oftentimes easier said than done. If you've ever gone to the mission field, you'll know that eating what is set before you is not easy. Do you see the flexibility, though, that Jesus desires for his sent ones? It's not about them. They aren't tied to the things of the world. They eat whatever is set in front of them. They aren't concerned about getting better accommodations or moving up the chain. They stay in the place that they began with. They aren't concerned about themselves. They're concerned about the mission of Christ. What a place to be, really. What a place to be. You don't need a new house. You don't need the nicest food. And oftentimes, when you don't need these things, guess what happens? God blesses you. And then, this is what they do. They find someone 
who receives them and the message in which they're carrying. And guess what happens? They invest their life into them. I'm going to tell you a secret of making friends, okay? I've learned this throughout ministry, throughout times of being in Thailand, not being able to speak the language and not being able to know what I'm eating. Give you a secret to making friends. You can find this in the text as well. Let someone help you. Ask them for help. Guess what happens when you ask them for help? The relationship begins to bond. They give, you receive. And guess what happens after that? You give, they receive. Isn't that interesting? This is how relationships are to be formed. Wives, you want to increase your relationship with your husband? Ask him for help. And give him an opportunity to win. Meaning set him up for success, not failure. This is what Jesus is asking his disciples to do. Don't go with anything. Don't have anything in your knapsack. Go with, with the intent of having someone else cook your meals. Go with the intent of having to stay in someone else's home. And guess what? When that happens, go and heal the sick. They need to care for the people. Pray for them. They are to declare the message of the gospel. They go on mission with those who are willing to hear and they stay and proclaim the gospel with them. I want to talk about this healing there for a minute. Christ came for the sick. Mark 2, 17 says this, Those who are well have no need of physician, but those who are sick, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. You say, well, I mean, he, he gives the authority for these disciples to heal. Does he not give the authority for his church today to do that? I don't know, James 15 says this, James 5, 14 says this, if anyone among you is sick, let him call the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord, and the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up, and if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. There is a mixture in here with physical healing and healing of the Lord and their sins being forgiven. There is a call for us to go to those who are sick to proclaim the gospel and help them and ask the Lord to heal them. I, I don't think that it's this, this magical potion that you have to heal people and you point to them and do all these things. No, no. It's simply going and caring for people and asking the Lord God Almighty to say, hey, will you touch this person? Will you forgive their sins? We're coming to you in, 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 in a heart of love towards you. 
because we know the Lord God Almighty, you may not. You know, uh, uh, Hans Dilbeck, who is the head of the, the Baptist General Convention of Oklahoma, this is his deal. He says anybody who is sick, anybody who is struggling, Anyone who is in need, it is the time to go and share the gospel with them. They are open to hear about this gracious and loving God who forgives sin and gives eternal life because they are going through it. Find someone in your life who is in need and go and the peace of God may it rest upon them and pray for them. while showing them their ultimate need is Christ and salvation. A church on mission looks for people of peace, prays for people of peace. In just a minute, we're going to worship together one last time. Kyle's going to come up, and this is a time for the Lord to work in your heart and your mind to respond to the word of God in your life. You may be here knowing that you have never received Christ as your Lord and Savior. You have never said, I want to follow Jesus. You may be that very person of peace that the Lord has brought here this morning to hear the word of God, to hear that God loves you, that he sent Christ to die for you, and he has a purpose and plan for your life. And today marks a day where you will call out to the Lord, and say, I need you. I need salvation from sin and to be reconciled to a holy God. That may be you this morning. We pray that God would bring that upon your heart. It may be that you have never prayed for the Lord to send out workers. It may be because you know that God may be calling you or you just didn't know that you're to pray for that, that you're to pray that God would send people out to share the gospel and your understanding that your prayer life is not as much about you as it is about what God wants to do. And today, you want to humbly go before the Lord Almighty and ask him to raise up people that be on mission for Christ whether that be you or whether that be the person next to you, whether that be people out there that he hasn't called yet. And maybe you're here this morning and you're saying, here I am, send me. I'm willing to go, Lord, but I'm not sure if I'd have what it takes to go in faith to my neighborhood, to my school, to my workplace. And Lord, I need your power. Would you do that this morning? Would you say, here I am, Lord, send me. I don't know where you want me to go. I'm not sure what you want me to do, but I'm willing to do that. I'm willing to go if you call. Maybe this morning you are going and you have invested in people of peace and you just want to lift them up by name. You want to plead before the Lord to open their eyes to the beauty of the gospel and to enter into the kingdom of God. 